Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I think in order for us to see this generation make an impact on this world, for us to to really begin to see the church step up, I I would love to see the church as a whole, Um, not just one single church or one big name church, but the church as a whole, whether that's Baptist, um, Anglican, Presbyterian, the church as a whole. Jesus says you come together under one belief, and that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Arden Bevere is the youngest son of John and Lisa Bevere and the co-founder of Sons and Daughters, a movement committed to raise up a generation of uncompromising followers of Christ who will transform our world. He has a passion to see his generation go further than any that came before it, fully alive in this God adventure. Today on Connections, he shares how we can do this, and he talks a little bit about his new book, I Am hear that and so much more today. We're joined today by Arden Bevere. He is the co-founder of Sons and Daughters. He's also the author of a new book titled I Am. Now your last name is a name that a lot of people will know. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so I am the youngest of four boys. So my parents uh, are, you know, renowned speakers and authors around the world. And so we all kind of grow grew up within the ministry, but honestly got to all all kind of play a part within the ministry and kind of did to do our own thing. And so I got married about three years ago and my wife and I together, we get to kind of spearhead everything that we do with sons and daughters, which is where the the book I am kind of came from. We really want to see this generation step more into the fullness of what God's called them to be and not just kind of, you know, hey, we we made the pinnacle of our life the day of salvation and that's it. Tell us a little bit more about Sons and Daughters. Yeah, so Sons and Daughters is an initiative that we wanted to see for our generation. If we wanted to see them grab hold of two things, one, their identity of who they were as a son or a daughter of Christ and the inheritance that came with that. We, th- we think, honestly, the problem is not a lack of sons and daughters of God, but a lack of sons and daughters who have stepped into the fullness of what that actually means. And so us seeing a generation grab hold of that, we want to challenge these people. So what we have is we have, um, we had about 400 ambassadors that are all around the world um, that are actively leading discipleship groups. And so what we do is we disciple them on a more personal and intimate level. And then they go out and they disciple others and kind of, you know, taking that Ephesians 4.12 model where it's the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and apostles, the fivefold ministry, actually equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Not that you just, you know, go to church every week and then hopefully you bring a friend every now and then hopefully they get saved. No, like you have been equipped to do the work of the ministry. So we want to set up this generation to actively do that, to understand their calling um, goes beyond just ministry, goes beyond, uh, you know, just them going to church. It's it's active in every single area and sphere of life that they're in. I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, I'm not called to be a pastor or a preacher or a missionary. So that's kind of it for me then, right? I'm off the hook. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think whenever you hear the, like someone say, man, that, that guy has a call of God on their life. We instantly go into, oh, it's ministry. 
But the reality of it is God has called every single one of us in every single sector of society that he has planned for us. Like we are not supposed to just say, you know, the sacred is only the 45 minutes or hour and a half that we get of church every single Sunday. No, the sacred is within us. The temple of God is us. And we are supposed to carry the sacred onto every sphere of influence that we go out to so that we become the sacred in our workplace, the sacred in our, you know, radio stations, whatever that we are going on, we get to carry that out. And it goes so much further. It's how the extension of the church goes beyond that. Like the, the fivefold ministry was not supposed to go out into your business place and go try to, you know, save everyone in your business place. No, they're supposed to equip you to be able to do that. How do you find that calling? How do you figure that out? That's uh, definitely a difficult one. Yeah, that's, that's always a big question. That's a question a lot of people are like, you know, they're awesome. They wake up thinking about it. They go to bed, you know, kind of thinking about it. And we, we actually spent an entire chapter within the book talking about it within the I am called um, section. And we talk about kind of just a little bit of a kind of a snippet of that without kind of going into depth um, is that we feel like, you know, calling is oftentimes what we try to do is we think, you know, calling has got to be this thing that I've got to discover and I've got to find it. I've got to find it. Like, give me, give me that roadmap that I've got to get to my calling. But the reality of it is we think, you know, a calling is not discovered. A calling is actually cultivated over a lifetime. And I think that's what we do is that oftentimes we as sons and daughters of God, we want to believe that we are people who find purpose in the mundane things of life. We find purpose in our every single day that not a single day has been wasted. And as we find the purpose that is within every single day, the Bible says that the, uh, that he orders the steps of a righteous man. And that as we stay in this understanding of every single day has been created sacred, every single day has been uh, carved and fused with purpose, even in the most mundane tasks, that as we stay in that place, you'll begin to watch as God begins to cultivate your calling. I think a lot of times people get so focused on occupational calling and they're like, am I called to be a doctor? Am I called to be a businessman? Or am I called to be a pastor? And they get so focused in on that, that they forget that their first and original calling is to be a son or a daughter of God. And so as they first grab hold of that, I think God will align your path. He will show your path, will direct your path that you walk in the way that he set before you. In the uh, Christian calendar, the liturgical calendar, you know, you have these seasons, Advent, Christmas, Easter, and then there's this really long season that we're in right now. It's called Ordinary Time, and the (laughs) gospel readings, they focus on the life of Jesus. And one thing you discover, though, walking through the life of Jesus is there's nothing ordinary about ordinary time. There's nothing ordinary about life when you're connected to Jesus. Yeah, no, there's nothing ordinary. And that's what I think Jesus so beautifully, you know, just walked out here on earth is that he showed that, you know, we we talk about this. I think this is a very common thing that we talk about is like most of Jesus's miracles was on the way to something. And that that could have been like, hey, this is just another travel journey. This is just another me walking from one city to another or walking from one house to another. But Jesus understood that every single moment had the potential to be infused with purpose. And that's why a majority of his miracles are written in those moments where they were not you know, they were not planned moments. They were something that was like, 
he was interrupted. He, he had something pull on him. And it was this purpose that was able to be created from that. Um, I think I think is beautiful. And I think if people are asking, well, how, do, how in the world do I do that? Like, how do I live in this place? This, I, I've been really kind of challenged with this idea of just the uh, understanding of prayer and going deeper into prayer of meditating on prayer. I think oftentimes what we can do is if hopefully we're reading our Bible, because I think that will be the first thing is reading your Bible. I think, you know, will of course set you up and get you the mind of Christ, but then prayer. I love the example that Jesus did show is that throughout his journey, even though he was here for only, you know, his ministry was only three years. uh, You would think he needed all the amount of time that he possibly could with people and with his disciples, but yet Jesus constantly kept slipping away to go pray, even though he was with God in eternity before he came here to earth. He knew the facets of God. He knew the eternity, the expressions, the love, the grace, the power, everything. But yet he still knew that in order for me to accomplish what I have been sent here on earth to do, I have to pray. I have to spend time with God. And I love it. I heard it said recently is that prayer is not getting God ready to do your will. Prayer is getting you ready to do God's will. And I think that's what you've got to ask is in your life. You're like, well, what does God have for me? Is prayer is going to begin to set up. It's going to begin to position your heart to get you ready to do that. What about the community that's surrounding you um, in this journey, in this adventure? How important is that? Oh yeah. Um, community is extremely important. We are, we are not made to do life alone. I think even the cool thing about this is as we're talking about, this is this book that we are talking about the I am book. Um, this was not done by one person. Um, it was actually done by a collective group of people who all came together and said, you know what, we want to see a generation grab hold of this higher way of being. And we want to write around these seven I am statements. We want to share our testimonies, our stories. And so there is actually probably, there was a, I think it was 50 people that worked on this book that contributed to this book to make this happen. And so when we look at community, it is something so important because everyone's story is very different. I think right now what we're looking at is in our world is there has been a lot of chances and a lot of opportunities for us just to continue to divide. And I love that Jesus's final prayer was father, make them one as I am, as, as we are one. And this final prayer is Jesus understood that this is the thing they're going to need the most. Like this is the last, these are my last words that I'm going to be saying is because I understand that there is going to be difference in opinions. There's difference in separations and things like that. There's Um, everything with COVID that has separated us, that has kept us, you know, at a bay from one another where we feel isolated. And God's saying, you know what? No, actually, when you are united, when you have community, when you have people around you that are going to build you up, to going to help you through this life, that's where my spirit is actually blessed. That's where my spirit is able to operate in the upper room. um, It wasn't until that says, the Bible says, then they were one. And then the spirit of God fell upon them. And so, I think in order for us to see this generation make an impact on this world, for us to to really begin to see the church step up, I, I, I would love to see the church as a whole, um, not just one single church or, you know, one big name church, but the church as a whole, whether that's Baptist, you know, um, Anglican, Presbyterian, like the church as a whole, Jesus says, you come together 
under one belief, and that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, you might not believe exactly the same, but God's called us to be unified, and we won't see that change in this world until we see the church as a whole come together and and, and not come together and point out each other's differences, but come together under the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to see an impact on this world. So important, right? And, and Jesus even told his disciples too, like, the world's going to know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so often we get caught up in our differences and, and things like that. And what the world sees is exactly that, then a divided church. But if we unite and love one another, it's a powerful witness that they can't deny. Yeah. And, and I mean, I love that because si- so Simon, so if you look at the disciples, Simon was a zealot, like he, he was a zealot. Zealots back then, they were, they were all about that. Hey, the, the new kingdom is coming and the Roman oppression is absolutely the worst thing in the world. And they were very much against what was going on in Israel at that time. And then you look at Matthew and Matthew is a tax collector who Matthew is basically someone who is working with the Roman government. He was taking money from the Jews and giving it to the Roman government. And I love that Jesus would grab two polar opposite people and said, you know what? Like like what you just said, the world's going to look at this and see that you have completely differing opinions. But yet, even though you might not agree with one another, I think that's oftentimes what we do is we say, you know, hey, everyone, we just need to be unified. We need to be unified. We need to be one. And we kind of think that unity is conformity, that we have to all believe the exact same. We have to all think the exact same um, in terms of you know, political things and stuff like that. But he said, no, like unity is just, it's just that you are one. And he's, I love the example that he painted there with grabbing these two men. I think he was very strategic and saying, you know what, the world's going to know based off of the fact that these two men could love one another. It's absolutely beautiful what can come out of our differences. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think that's I think that's the expression uh, of the church that the world does need to see that that they see because the world does see that there's there is so much difference and and different opinions out there in the world, but they're seeing as the world is so divided. And I just would love to see is what if we saw more in the church that, you know, there is a difference of opinions. There's difference of backgrounds. There's difference of, uh, of, of beliefs uh, within terms of how you should, you know, operate. Obviously I, I want to make sure I'm careful too, of making sure that I'm not saying differences of, of faith, because obviously like Jesus said, it's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we're believing in, but seeing that we are, have all these differences, opinions, but yet still are able to be unified as one body. I think that's, that's the key um, to really showing the, the world like, hey, this, this, is, this is real. This is, this is the love of God. This is the undeniable love that we have. What about um, embracing our calling for maybe those of us who we feel a little like Jonah? Like for you growing up in such a well-known family uh, uh, ministry, did you always embrace that? Or were there times you just wanted to reject it and run the other way? Yeah. Um, I, I, so I definitely, I was the only one of my brothers that just completely went away from Christ. Um, I just, I was at a young age and I was, I was, well, I was 15, 14 and I knew there was a God. And I just, I just at one point in my life, I said, you know what, honestly, the 
the partying and the drinking and girls, all that stuff honestly seems way more attractive to me than what's going on in my life. And so I walked away and I remember I completely got radically just saved. I got saved by the fear of God. And, and I, and a lot of people say they're like, Hey, I got saved by the love of God. No, it was, it was definitely the fear of God for me. And, and I love it how, how God kind of showed it to me in that moment of the fear of God is not being afraid of God. It's being afraid of being away from him. It's being afraid of being away from his presence, his, his promises, the things that he has for you. And so I got radically saved when I was about, uh, when I was 17. And I remember I told my parents, I said, look, I said, this is what happened to me. And I said, I so honor and appreciate everything that you guys do. But I said, but that's not for me. And I had a dream that I wanted to, I I loved business. I wanted to go into business and I was actually had a full ride scholarship for golf. And that was kind of my, my destination and my path that I was going on. And I remember God just kind of took hold of me and said, no, you're you're going to go do an internship. And honestly, like what people are probably frustrating, what we even said before is God did not say, Hey, you're going to, you know, do ministry. And this is what it's going to look like for me. I remember when I went to that church and I was doing the internship, I kept asking people, so what do you feel like God's calling you to do? And they would be like, I feel like God's calling me to be this next big time, like pastor, like the next, you know, the the well-known speaker, the the youth pastor at the church. And I was like, that is amazing. I was like, God, God told you that. I was like, all he told me was just to do ministry. And I was like, I don't know what that, like what that encompasses. I was like, I just know that that could mean that I could be, you know, working at an orphanage somewhere, or I could be serving in a church somewhere. And I was like, I don't know what exactly that means, but he just told me to do ministry. And so that's what I'm trying to be faithful to. And so I think, I think um, as we get that chance and that opportunity to begin to hear from God of, Hey, this is, this is the way that I want you to walk in. I want you to see this as people are listening, as I want you to see this as maybe God's not giving you a map. He's giving you a compass. And I think with a compass, there's a lot more of an ability to be understanding of, hey, I know I'm going in the right direction, but I don't know what's coming up next. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know, you know, the terrain that is before me. I just have to continue to trust that I was told to go north on this compass and I've been going north and I, it might not look like I'm going the right way, but I'm trusting that this is it. What's your golf handicap? <laughs> yeah, it, so I, I, I'm going to be honest. My golf handicap is a lie right now because <laughs> I have not played. We just moved to Nashville. I have only played two times in the last uh, the last five months, which has been really sad. But it is a plus 2.2. But that is a complete nice. lie. <laughs> I, would say, I would say it's closer to a five or a seven. Well, mine's a 14 and I'm pretty pumped about that right now. So (laughs) uh, tell us about the book. I am uh, find your identity, claim your freedom, embrace the adventure. Where can we find it and uh, work through it? Yeah. So the book is available where all books are sold. So you can purchase that. We always direct people to Amazon. We think that's the best place to be able to buy a book. Um, You can also go to our website and sonsanddaughters.tv. Within there, you can get connected with everything that we are doing as a ministry. Um, You can also get the book or you can listen to uh, uh, just some of the courses and things that we have available through our website. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. This book is for everybody. Yeah, I actually something that we have really seen is if you're a parent on here and you're asking, well, how do I raise 
you know, young men and women to continue to follow along the path of the Lord. I think, you know, this book was something that all of us brothers, sorry, uh, this book was something that all of us boys really felt like um, our parents ingrained into us these statements uh, since we were a young kids that continued to keep us uh, understanding and knowing that God was real, understanding and knowing the relationship that we were to have. And so I would, I would, I can't emphasize enough. Um, if you are a parent, you have young kids or, or sons or daughters, and you have seen them starting to go another direction, that this book would be an invaluable tool for them. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, real pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate calling the mic. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation or any of the other conversations that we've had on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.